Well, here we are coming off a 4th of July weekend, holiday weekend here in the good old United States of America. Uh, I hope your dogs didn't go crazy with all the fireworks, the crazy people on the street. I don't know. Fireworks are generally okay in my opinion, but I think that that people get a hold of them and sometimes do uh, nutty things. There's a lot of illegal fireworks here in Oregon that just, you know, people don't care. They just blow them up, you know. So hope you had a good holiday. Uh, Been in touch with a number of trade show industry colleagues. And the message and the feeling seems to be that the industry is coming back faster in some areas, slower in some areas. Uh, But from my experience here at Trade Show Guy Exhibits, we've started work on a new big project for early next year. And that is uh, going in fits and starts, but it's going. It'll happen. And I just heard from an old client who has moved on to another company, and he's reached out to do some new stuff. So, yeah, I think things are slowly changing. Things are turning around. How about you? Meanwhile, uh, here in Oregon, a week ago, we experienced record-breaking temperatures. You might have seen this in the news. Portland, which is just an hour north of here, hit 116. That's a new record. Here in Salem on that Saturday... That would have been the 26th. We hit 112. The next day, we hit 117 officially, and we were all going, 117? How is that possible in Oregon? And then I read that some little town in Canada hit 120, or maybe it was 121. I'm thinking, wait a minute, Canada? The Great White North? (laughs) Wow. Uh, Anyway, a day that will cook in history, and uh, yeah, crazy. So we've had the ice machine pretty much working Nonstop. Hey, it's Tim Patterson. This is Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Currently a bi-weekly production and uh, posting. You can find us, all the websites we have, and there's a bunch of them, books and uh, exhibits. You can just go to tradeshowguy.net. All right, the latest podcasts are posted there. You can find links to the couple of books I've written, links to exhibit search, you know, tradeshowbuy.com. It's all right there, tradeshowguy.net. So uh, this week... I caught up with an old colleague, Andy Sachs, of Spark Presentations. He recently attended a big show, World of Concrete. Yes, a pretty big show back in Vegas. Uh, it was notable this year. It was in June, and uh, it was the first big show in Vegas after most of the restrictions were lifted, and Andy said, hey, I'm going to be there. I'd love to, to share what I find with your audience. I thought, well, that would be kind of cool. So he took a few pictures. We'll try and drop those in. Uh, and he offered to walk us through what he encountered at the show in terms of restrictions and how people are dealing with it and so on and so forth. So a pretty interesting snapshot of the world of trade shows. Hope you enjoy the conversation. We'd like to welcome Andy Sachs of Spark Presentations back to Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Andy, hey, it's good to see you, man. Good to see you as well, Tim. It's been a while. I know that uh, as the pandemic started uh, over a year ago in March, we had you on with a couple of other folks talking about what are we doing now? How long is this going to last? And you know, our perspective was kind of interesting in retrospect. Yes, it's been a very long 15 months since then. I think I've aged yeah. about 43 years. Yes, I think I've aged about 44. So yeah, yeah. I think we're on the same page with that. Uh, but I'm curious how your last, in general, how your last uh, year has gone. Uh, I know we've all kind of struggled in some ways and found other ways that uh, to move forward that we didn't know we were going to. So 
Uh, we're doing okay. It's It's been an interesting adventure. Uh, there's definitely been some downtime and I've been working on background projects like estate planning, things yeah. I never got to before. Uh, I've been keeping in touch with clients and colleagues. I set up a video production studio in our house so that I could do uh, online work and virtual work. Uh, I've hosted a couple of things as an auctioneer and an MC, a couple of virtual events. I uh, got a couple of PPP loans to keep me going. And so a lot of it has just been planning for what happens when we all come back, which looks like it's on the horizon. On the horizon. Yeah, it's funny. We all find our own ways to kind of deal. We have some time that we didn't think we had. We end up doing things we never thought we were going to do. Uh, before the pandemic, uh, I think the fall before, I actually started writing fiction. I started writing novels and I've, I'm in my fourth one now. So Wow. <laughs> So I've, I've kind of gone a different direction, but, you know, I understand. So you were uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about. The main thing we were planning to talk about today was World of Concrete, which is a big show in Las Vegas. Las mm -hmm. Vegas is, I guess, reopening. And I'm not sure exactly what that means, although it sounds like pretty much all all limitations are off. All protocols are uh, off. And, and you went to attend it just basically as to walk the aisles. Uh, generally speaking, uh, what is World of Concrete and, and how big of a show is it? Mm -hmm. Well, World of Concrete is exactly what it sounds like. It's a big trade show all about the concrete industry and all of the other industries that support it. Uh, it runs about once a year, just like any other trade show. And I got very curious because just sort of due to the, the randomness of the show calendar and when uh, the, the country and the state and the city started relaxing their COVID restrictions, they realized that World of Concrete, which they had delayed from its normal running time in January until June of this year, just because of a coincidence of timing, it became the first show to run as a large in-person trade show since the entire industry shut down in March of last year. So I became very curious as to how it would look. What does a trade show look like now in the post-COVID era? Uh, what would be different? What would be the same? And you can learn a fair amount by reading, but I decided to show up in person because I have this training that I do for exhibitors to teach them best practices for engaging attendees. And I was really curious to see, do these best practices work in the post-COVID era? And if they don't, what replaces them? So I went so, to see So you weren't there to, to work with clients. You were just there to, to, to attend the show and observe, basically. Yes, I was there to, to look around, uh, to walk the show floor, um, to just see what was what, to take pictures and to be able to say to my clients, I was there, I saw this for myself, I talked to this attendee, I talked to this exhibitor, here's what's working now that may or may not have worked two years ago. So you're not a real shy guy. I'm guessing you talked to a lot of people, right? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Did a, did a lot of picture taking, a lot of talking, uh, managed to sort of stand in the right place to overhear a couple of conversations, learned quite a bit. So uh, as far as show goes, shows go, uh, it is a big show. Did they limit attendance at all or exhibitors at all? I know that in some shows in, in the last three to four months, I've heard that, well, only 50% only are, are from mm -hmm. normal are allowed. What kind of, kind of protocols did you hear from the organizers on this particular show? So the exhibits, uh, the exhibitors were down about 50% from a normal year. They usually have about 1,300 exhibitors this year. I think it was in the 600 plus or minus range. So a little bit, uh, about half of a normal year. The attendance, they wouldn't give out. I actually went to the press conference uh, that Informa Markets gave on the first day of the show. A reporter asked that question, what is the attendance? And they still wouldn't give it out. They kind of hemmed and hawed about it. Uh, based on my observation, I would guess it's roughly a third to a quarter of what it would be in a normal year. And a normal year is roughly uh, 55 to 60,000. So many exhibitors may hear that and say, well, 
you know, if the shows in the fall of 2021 aren't going to be very well attended, maybe it's not worth us going. But the exhibitors I talked to found it was actually more worthwhile with a lower attendance count, which is a little counterintuitive. But they found, first of all, that the people, if you bothered to go to the show as an attendee this year, then you were really eager to go. And chances are you weren't there to pick up candy and swag. You were there because you were really interested in buying things. You had something on the agenda that you needed to get. And because there are fewer attendees there and they were more serious about looking around and kicking tires with the exhibitors, uh, the exhibitors had more time to talk to them. They had more time to talk to the exhibitors. The conversations were more serious. So instead of having two minutes or one minute or 30 seconds and you're spending your time giving out t-shirts, you might have five or seven or 10 minutes and you're spending that time in an in-depth product demonstration and that's how you create qualified leads. So I think exhibitors were actually pleasantly surprised by that. Interesting, more focused. Uh, It sounds like you have a more focused, more kind of cream of the crop, people that really, really wanted to be there as opposed to, like you said, people just are trying to collect swag. And not only that, you know, when you you are an exhibitor at a a really crowded trade show and you are talking to someone, your your goal is to qualify and disqualify as quickly as possible, move them along, Mm -hmm. you know, if they're not. And then if you have a very short conversation, if they are qualified. So that it does sound interesting that, that uh, it does seem a little counterintuitive when you kind of think it through. It's, it's not a bad approach. So you yeah. talk to exhibitors and attendees. Uh, how did they feel about the show? What were they thinking about, you know, masking up or were people masking up or did people even think about that? Almost no one masked up. In right. fact, there were very few protocols in general. I, I can say comfortably, just based on my observation, that less than 5% of all attendees and exhibitors were wearing masks. Uh, it could even be closer to 2% or 1%. Hmm. Uh, in the booths, I only saw two booths where the booth staffers were all wearing masks. So my general sense is that people treated this almost like a coming out party. Right. They weren't interested in protocol, COVID protocols. They wanted it to feel like the old days. So very few masks, lots of handshakes, lots of hugs, lots of smiles. I didn't see any hand sanitizer used. Really? I was going to ask you about hand sanitizer. Yeah, there was hand sanitizer available throughout the show. Some of it was sponsored. You know, there'd be a company's logo and sort of the, you know, the the stand uh, that it was put on or be inside somebody's booth. I just didn't see anybody using it. Um, Hmm. There was some hand sanitizer I saw and some masks I saw that were available as giveaways from the exhibitors. But it looked to me like T-shirts and hats and mouse pads and pens and sticky pads and, and all of those usual suspects were much more popular as giveaways. Yeah, that, well, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. I'm curious, uh, kind of going back to, to being able to go to the show, did they ask any questions or requirements for vaccinations or did that even come up? No vaccination requirements. Uh, They didn't ask any questions about it. Vaccination was optional. They did do temperature scans, uh, especially in the the West Hall. And this was the West Hall's debut. It's a brand new wing of the Las Vegas Convention Center. So in some places they had um, individual temperature scanners and they would scan your wrist. And then if you pass the scan, they would give you a colored wristband that would last you throughout the day. And then the next day you'd have to get scanned again. In <laughs> other places, they had thermal scanners on stands that would just scan everybody in the area. And then they would signal to the security guard if somebody uh, sort of tripped the wire, if somebody had a temperature over 100.4 degrees, the thermal scanner would pick it up and they would notify the security people and they'd attend to it. But the security guy I talked to said that hadn't happened the entire show. And that was a day and a half into it. Interesting. And so you said about half the uh, number or even less of exhibitors and yeah. uh, uh, maybe a third of the number of uh, 
attendees. Yeah. Uh, do you know uh, just off the top of your head if there if what the next big show in Vegas is, or does that even? Uh, there are right? a few coming up. I know ISC West is happening in July. That should be a pretty big one. Hymns, the healthcare show, is happening in August, uh, as well as Black Hat. Those should be big shows. Hymns, in particular is requiring vaccinations or proof of vaccination. Oh, yeah. So one of the other things you have to keep in mind is that every show, you know, we have a tendency to sort of lump them together and say, if one show right. works this way, all shows will. But every show serves a different industry. Every show has its own tolerance level and its own character. So a show like Hims, which serves the healthcare industry, may be more sensitive to healthcare protocols. Uh, same thing with the Salesforce show Dreamforce coming up in the fall. They'll be requiring... Uh, proof of vaccination as well. So, you know, what, what works well and goes for some shows may not be the case in other shows. And as always, you have to check the website to know for sure. And yeah, I, 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 one of the shows I was at the last time they had it was NAB uh, in 2019. Yeah. That is in October yes. uh, of this year. And I'm thinking I might be there. We'll see what happens. You know, it'd be fun to go. And again, I'm curious to see how many exhibitors show up and how many attendees show up compared to mm -hmm the blowout they had last time around with 80 to a hundred thousand attendees or whatever it was. Uh, I, one more thing I'm curious about, was there any sense as you walk through the show of, of social distancing spacing people were giving, uh, or were they just kind of you know, meeting people and shaking hands and hugging and things like that? Yeah, no spacing, no social distancing, <laughs> no nothing. I was joking with friends that if you had been in a coma for 18 months and you woke up and went directly to this show, you may not notice anything. You may yeah. not know anything had even happened. The one big visual cue that might, uh, that might catch your eye is that the aisles were uncarpeted and, I, and they oh. were also wider than usual. So you know, have the nice wide aisles, they're all concrete. I was told that that's because it's easier to clean the aisles at night when they're not carpeting. So that gave the, the whole show floor sort of a, an unfinished rough look. Um, the other thing that you might notice is that the badges have gone digital. So, I mean, you know as well as I do that wearing a badge on a lanyard around your neck, that is the staple of a trade yeah. show, right? It's the jewelry <laughs> that everyone Billions puts on. Billions of them, yes. Right, can't get in without it. Well, those were gone. At really? Concrete. Yes. Uh, there were no physical badges. They had everybody uh, use digital badges, which generally people put in their wallets on their phones. So the same place where you probably keep your airline ticket and your credit cards. Now you keep your show badge. And when you walked up to the entrance to the expo hall, you would have to show that badge and then they'd scan it with the scanner. But that actually made things a little more challenging because in what I guess we're calling the old days now, when an attendee walks up to you and you have a badge and they have a badge, you can pick out each other's names very quickly. Yeah. You can see your titles, you can see the company they're associated with. And all of that helps jumpstart the conversation and gives you an early taste of what that attendee's value might be to you and helps you establish trust and get information, all of that. Without badges, it felt a little more awkward all around. Nobody just knew each other's name. Everybody had to ask and then everybody had to remember. So just a little extra task in there that made it awkward. But I yeah, think those badges actually come in really handy. <laughs> they do. But I think that's an opportunity for a savvy exhibitor. If you can bring a badge making or name tag making machine, put it in your booth. First of all, you can make badges and name tags for all of your, all the exhibitors, all the staffers in right. your booth as if to say, well, badges don't matter to everybody else, but we're really conscientious and we're making the extra effort. If you could then take it a step farther and make badges or name tags for attendees, and let's say that name tag making process takes five minutes between waiting in line and the printing and so on, 
you've now got them in your booth for five minutes. That's time you can engage with them and get to know them. And then as they're walking around the floor, they're wearing a badge with your logo on it, exactly. your corporate colors. <laughs> Everybody else sees it and says, hey, where'd you get that badge? I didn't get one. And they get directed back to your booth. So just like anything in a trade show, you could see it as a problem or you can see it as an opportunity to get right. more qualified leads and jump on it. We'll be curious to see what other show organizers do. And you mentioned different kinds of show, obviously different organizers run those shows. So they'll have mm -hmm. different protocols or not, depending on the show and how their organization feels about it. Andy, it's been great to catch up with you and learn about that. Any final words on the word, world of concrete and how you, uh, how you spent the last few days over there? Uh, I would just say that the big takeaway I had was go. There is a real sense of celebration in the industry as it comes back. There's real enthusiasm from attendees that I haven't seen very much of in the 20 plus years I've worked in trade shows. The boosts that are there now, when the attendee count is lower, when you can have those more in-depth conversations with more serious buyers, that's an opportunity. So take advantage, show up, be the ones to shake hands, be the ones to have the right giveaways. And uh, I think you'll, you'll find that your ROI is pretty high as a result. Cool, Andy. Good to see you. And, and where can people find you? I am at sparkpresentations.com. Uh, we do booth training for staffers. We do uh, trade show presenters and assistants and product specialists, things like that. And we are ready to go as the industry I'm sure opens. you are. And, and you do a great job, Andy. I've seen your stuff. So thank you so much. I appreciate thank your time. You. Thank you. All right. Thanks again to Andy Sachs of Spark Presentations. You can find him at sparkpresentations.com. Just go to the show notes. And just to wrap it up, uh, this week's one good thing, uh, we end up watching the latest, I guess it's the last season of Bosch on Amazon Prime Video. We finished it just a couple of nights ago. I really enjoy the show. My wife's not crazy about it, but I enjoy it, so she puts up with it. Of course, I've read all the Bosch books. Well, not all of them. There's a bunch that I haven't got to, but uh, I've read many, many, many of them, at least a couple dozen. Michael Connolly, who is uh, the creator of the Bosch character, uh, the the homicide detective out of Hollywood. It's quite a fascinating story. Very well done. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I hope you do. I would call it this week's one good thing. You can find it on Prime Video. I do know, I just saw a, a thing that Michael Connolly posted on his Twitter account. They're doing a new show, follow-up show, yet to be named. And it's got the Bosch character in it, along with his daughter, Maddie, and I understand the attorney, Honey Chandler, <laughs> um, but it's a new show. It's, he's not going to be working for Hollywood video. He's going to be doing his own thing. So the boss show as the detective is gone, he's going to be a, like a private detective and uh, he's moving on, but that will be a new series yet to be determined when that's going to land, what the name of it is and all that stuff. I uh, uh, hope you enjoy that uh, boss show. Have yourself a great couple of weeks. See you in mid July here at trade show guy, Monday morning coffee. <laughs>